Good morning. How y'all doing? Awesome. It is really good being with you guys. My name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors here at One Church. And uh, we're smack dab in the middle of our series on trapped. We're talking about finances and how, how we handle finances, how we mishandle finances. Uh, sometimes feel us leaving trapped. Uh, not only uh, trapped because we can't spend the things we want to spend on, but also trapped in relationships, uh, trapped in just so many different ways. So um, today, if you're here today and maybe this is your first time here at church or first time maybe back at church, you're kind of a returner. And I am so glad you're here today because we're going to be talking about and, and talking about some financial principles uh, that we're going to be getting from the Bible today. And uh, whether or not you believe the Bible or believe the whole God thing, um, I believe that if you work the Bible and if you go through and it, you start seeing that this stuff works in the area of your finances, you're going to be able to see, well, maybe I can trust God in other areas of my life as well. Maybe I can even trust him in beginning a relationship with him. Maybe I can entrust him with my, with my eternity. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about uh, flipping the list. In fact, I just want to show, uh, show you a list up here. This is a list. This is five ways, basically, that we can interact with money. These are five different things that we can do with money. I don't know of a sixth. I mean, this is pretty much it. The first one is spend it. All right, we spend money. The second is we repay debt. By the way, that's also spending money, right? You just already spent it, right? Third one is pay taxes and die, right? We pay taxes. Uh, hopefully you pay taxes. If you don't, um, let me know and we'll come visit you in jail. Um, uh, four is we can save money. And the fifth one on the list is we can give money. So spend it, repay it, that's spending it. Pay taxes, save it, and give it. Those are the five things, really, that we can do with money. Now, not only is that the five things that we can do with money, but probably here in America, it's probably in that order. Uh, we, uh, we usually spend it first, right? And we pay off debt second. And then we give Uncle Sam what's Uncle Sam's third. Fourth, if we have any money left over, fourth and fifth, we'll either save it or give it. Now, um, let's kind of redo this list and let's kind of talk about subjects here. All right, kind of who, who's the head of this. All right, first one is spend it. That's me. All right, that's me. Now, repaying debt, that's also me. All right, uh, paying taxes, that's more of a we. That's America, right? Fourth is me. That's saving it. And then fifth is God, give it. So me, me, we, me, God. Everybody say that together, ready? Me, me, we, me, God. Now, that's pretty much what, what we do with money, how we handle money. And I want to say up front, because some of you are like, dear God, I came during a giving series. All right, just put yourself at ease, all right? Because I got to be honest with you, for the longest time, that is actually how I managed my money. Um, it's me, me, we, and I complained about we, and me, and then I complained about giving it to God. Now, here's the problem when it comes to this list. Uh, again, whether or not, I don't know how you view the whole God thing, the Bible thing, but if you do have a relationship with God, the problem with this list 
is that essentially we come first, me first, and God gets, God comes last. All right, so me first, God last, or I could even say it this way. It's me first, and then four and five, if we have any leftover, then God gets the leftovers. God gets the leftovers. Now, again, whether or not you, you know, you do the whole Bible thing or Christian thing, if that's how most of us, and I'd say that's probably 90% of us, how we manage our finances, we put God last, and many times it's unintentionally, but we put God last. But when something happens in our life, when the car breaks down, when we want to sell the house and we can't sell the house, when we're lying in bed and we're worried about finances and worried about maybe there's too much month at the end of the paycheck, I mean, what is the first thing we do? We will go straight to number five. We'll go straight to God and say, God, please help me. Please help me get my final. Please help me fix the car. Please help, you know, please help me sell this house. Please let me close the deal. Please let me, please me, me, me. Now, I'm, I, this next part, I don't know if really God is thinking this or he says this, but just hang out with me for a sec. I'm thinking many times when we go to God and we say, God, please help me, please help me. Um, maybe God is saying, why do you want me to help you? I mean, you've kind of made me kind of like the slush fund, like the emergency fund, like do not, do not use this except under extreme emergencies and then break glass, right? I mean, why would you want me to come into your system when it's me, me, we, me, and I am last, I mean, why should I help you? Because if I help you, you're just going to spend it on the me, the big me. And I feel like so many times the way we prioritize money in a lot of ways will give God a green light to do some amazing things in our life or the way we prioritize money or not prioritize money when it comes with God is either going to give him a red light so that he will not do some things in our life. In fact, I just want to say this, that the way you prioritize your personal finances represents either an invitation for God to move in your life or a cancellation for God to not do some things in your life. The way we prioritize will be either an invitation or a cancellation for God to move in our life. Now, you're thinking, okay, where did you get that? Well, we're going to be looking at primarily two passages of Scripture this morning. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And as, uh, before we get into this, uh, the, the first one is in the Old Testament. You need to go ahead and start looking. It's Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. If you have one of the One Church Bibles, you're going to open up to the very middle and you're going to take a left and it's page 729 in the One Church Bible. If you're using version, it's already in there. All right? So, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. One God is talking, and the other one, Jesus, who, by the way, is God also, is talking. And uh, both are consistent, and both we're going to get it. Now, before we dig into Malachi, and before we dig into this last Old Testament book, I want to just give you a little bit of history here. A little bit of history. I believe so many times, and this is consistent through the Old and the New Testament, that how we deal with money is in a lot of ways it will indicate where our love is and where our love is not. That where we spend our money 
And where we spend on the me, me, we, me, God is really showing us where our love, where our commitment level is towards God. I mean, that money is a tool that many times God uses as a thermometer to gauge how hot our love is. Y'all ever been to like one of the carnivals and things and you had that little booth and you put your hand on it and it says measure your love life? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that besides me? Thank you. There's one of us. All right. All right. Oh, two. Thank you. Thanks for being honest. All right. Now, just to let you know, the reason how they can tell how passionate you are is usually how sweaty your hands are. Just to let you know about that. All right. <clears throat> anyway, so, and as Ryan already shared last week, I don't sweat that much. Y'all are sweating profusely, number one, because it's hot. Number two, because I'm talking about money. <laughs> so I am not sweating that much. Um, uh, that's just because who I am. But a lot of times I will, you, you'll put your hand on that and it'll, you know, oh, you know, you're passionate. You're a, you're a lover, right? You put it on there and that's just because you're sweating like a pig, all right. Now, that little thing that you hold on to measures your passion, measures your love life, if you will. And God uses how we hold money is also a passion of how our love towards him is. And that's really what we're going to be unearthing and where we're going to be looking at. Our, this big idea today is literally in two parts. The first one is this part, and it's flip the list. That the one, two, three, four, five, and how four and five, God gets the leftovers and we save and we get the life leftovers. God wants us to flip that list. And I'm going to talk about in a minute how we can do that systematically. How can we process so that we can flip this list? Because it's easy to say, well, I'll just flip the list. But practically, how does that work out? Because if you think about it, the first one, uh, us spending it is a habit, Right? How many of y'all have a habit for spending? That's everybody. Okay? If you didn't raise your hand, you're also a liar. Okay? Uh, You know, I'll tell you the first four years of our marriage, the biggest conflict my wife and I had was me spending money. All right? Uh, Because I could go and I could, if it was under 20 bucks, it really wasn't spending money. Right? Baby, I found a really good book at a used bookstore and it was $19.99. How come you didn't tell me about this? How come I'm, 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 you know, reading it, you know, two weeks later? Well, you know, it was under 20 bucks. You know, seriously, that's my mindset. That's how jacked up I was, all right? And our biggest source of conflict was how we handled or really how I mishandled money the first four years of our marriage. Now, since then, 13 years later, 17 years later, actually, but that was 13 years ago, um, things have gotten a whole lot better, my wife will tell you. Um, but this is kind of just where my area is, all right? So um, I, this may be where your area is as well because the first one is a habit. The second one, debt, that's a habit. The third one, Uncle Sam taking taxes, that's a system, all right? They give you a W-9. They give you a W-2. They give you whatever forms you need and your employer will report it. It's a system. The fourth one, Saving, it's kind of a system because uh, a part of your check, they take out Social Security, right? So that uh, by the time we get 70 years old, there won't be anything there. Remember? All right. And then the fourth one, I mean, excuse me, the fifth one, how we give to God, that's just leftovers, right? There's no habit. There's not even really a system. So if you would, turn to Malachi chapter 3 and, uh, and let's, let's dig in. 
Now, back then, back in Malachi's time, 400 years before Christ, they had a sacrificial system. And one of the things that we read in chapter 1, and we're also going to read it in chapter 3, here's the kind of the crux, here's the point, and here's the message, um, that they were bringing God their leftovers. That That they were bringing God their leftovers. They had this sacrificial system where they were supposed to give to God first, and they were supposed to give God the best of their sheep, the best of their goats, the best of their produce, and they were supposed to give it to God first. Now, here's the thing, and it was kind of humorous, is in Malachi chapter 1, God says, stop giving me your leftovers, and he says this. He says, why don't you give that stuff you're giving me? Why don't you give it to the governor? Why don't you, 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 I mean, you're you're bringing to me these messed up, jacked up, lame, blind, got the mange lambs, and you're offering them to me, and you wouldn't even eat those things yourself. They got worms, right? I mean, you wouldn't even serve them to a guest. They're so messed up. But yet, you're bringing these leftovers to me. And here's the point of this message in verse 7 of Malachi chapter 3. And I want you to notice how their priorities were upside down here. Because this whole message, if you had to just think of one, in fact, the title of it is priorities. Where's your priorities? Verse 7. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees, God is talking here, and failed to obey them. And then God says through Malachi to the people, look at this. Now return to me. Return to me and I return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now keep that up there. That's cause and effect. That if you return to me, then I will return to you. God is saying to his people, somehow, you know, I would love to be able to move in your direction, but you have to move in my direction first. I'm going to keep on reading. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how can we return? So then the people of Israel say, return to God. What do you mean return to God? We're here. We're still doing the sacrifices. We're still going through the motions. We still got religion, right? We're still doing everything. And then this is how God responds. Should people rob God? Should people cheat God? You've cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Tithes and the offerings do me. Now, let me explain what a tithe is. Some of you who grew up in church, you know exactly what this. Some of you are like, I don't think I know what that means. All right. A tithe is, is a percentage. And a tithe is 10%. All right. Now, just explain this quickly. The Jewish people at this time... About 40 years before Christ, they were commanded to give a tithe of everything that they gave, everything that they earned. They would give a tithe to the temple, and that would maintain all of the sacrificial things and all that stuff. Now, not only were they were commanded to give a tithe, that's 10%, they were also commanded to give a second tithe. Now, this is crazy. All right? They were supposed to give another 10%, uh, and that 10% was, went towards having a national feast. It was like a party. About every, about every year, they had a national feast celebrating God. And it was just a big party that they saved all year long. And th- that 10% went towards the poor and went, and went towards all of this. So, 
So these people had to give 20%, and then every third year they had to give 10%. So if you do the math, I mean, they're giving a lot. They're giving a lot. Now, now let's go back to this. So that is what a tithe is. So when he says, you've been robbing me or cheating me of tithes, what he's saying is you've been giving, but you've not been giving the way I have wanted you to give. Giving is no longer a, and here's the word, priority. No longer a priority. And that way, God says, you have been cheating me. Now, look at verse 9. You, talking to Israel, not us. We're off the hot seat now. Talking to Israel. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been robbing me. Now, just a quick. God had made this deal with Israel, a covenant with Israel, back during the time of Moses. And it was basically this. Look, God says, you honor me with the first of everything that you get. You give me 10%. You give me a certain percentage that I'm going to protect you from all of your enemies. You honor me. You're, you know, you're going to have a lot of crops, and your crops are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You honor me by giving the first to me. Then what's going to happen is you're going to be victorious over your enemies. You honor me, and you're going to have a lot of babies, all right, a lot of children. Are you going to be, and that was a good thing back then. <laughs> all right. Now, so, I mean, you honor me and all the other nations are going to be going, dude, who is their God? Who, what God are they praying to? Because we need to be praying to that God. You honor me first and you give to me. You make me a priority. Then I'm going to move towards your direction and I am going to bless you. Now, verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3 here is the command. Here it is, right here. Bring, what does it say? Bring all of the tithes into the storehouses so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the... That's kind of amazing. You know, what he's saying is that quit skimping, quit putting me 5th, 7th, ninth, 11th on the list. Quit giving me the leftovers. Quit giving me the last of the leftovers. If you have any money, then I'll just throw some money towards the temple your way. I mean, start giving to me first and making me a priority. Everybody say the word priority. Priority. There it is. Then if, if you make me a priority, I will make a promise to you. See, priority, promise. There's a cause and effect here. If, if you do, look at that. It says, if you do, all right, that's a conditional clause. Right, he's, he's saying, if you do, then I will do this. I will do this. There is a promise here. God has promised that if you will prioritize him, he will take care of you. And God says, test me on this. I double dog dare you. Test me. Now, what's so amazing about this is, you know, some people say, well, we shouldn't test God, right? And there are other verses in the Bible that talks about, you know, not, you know, forcing God's hand. But we're not forcing God's hand here. God's saying, if you do this, I will do this. And what's amazing, even though this is written to the nation of Israel and not to America, not to us... This is a principle that God used back in the Old Testament that we're getting ready to see. Jesus is saying the same principle stands. The same principle stands. God's principles never, ever change. 
This is so amazing. This is not about getting your money. Because some of you are going, see, I knew we should have visited another church this morning. You see, this is not about more, 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 more. This is not. In fact, God's saying this is not even about the money. This is about your heart. Because God understands something. That what we love the most will be what we spend the money on the most. That's just a fact. That if we want to know about our love life, just like going into a carnival and putting our nasty, sweaty hand on Mr. Magoo's love doctor machine, right? That how God, he realizes that our wallet is tied to this right here in our inner cavity. That what we spend money on, what we prioritize, will determine which way we follow. It will determine our direction. That our heart follows our money. That what we spend is in what we're in love with. So God tells the nation, I want you to move in my direction. If you move in my direction, I'm going to move in yours. If you move in my direction, and you know what? You do what I asked when it comes to money. I'm going to move in your direction, and I am going to bless you. That's what he's saying. He says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. That's a promise. Make me first. Make me a priority. You move in my direction and just watch. Sit back and watch. I'm going to move in yours. Now, this is amazing because this is, it's specifically talking about money, but really this is in every area of our life. In any area of your life and my life that we put God first, he's going to move in our direction. Give you a couple. Some of you, you've been married for umpteen years. And God was not a focus of your marriage. He was kind of like the sixth toe of your relationship. You invited him once you got married. You went to an altar. You had some priest or preacher say some things over you from the Bible. And that's where your relationship with God and your marriage began and ended. And your marriage was on the verge of a breakup. But something happened, I mean, you got down to the end of your rope, to the end of your list, and you're like, you know what, maybe I should try God. I've tried everything else. And you made, you started making God a priority. And you know what God started doing to your relationship and your marriage? He flipped it. Because that's what God does. When we make Him a priority, the things that were bad start becoming better. He starts blessing us, okay? And that's happened in your marriage. Some of you, it's it's happened that way with your children. When you, I have a a good friend here who's on staff here who, you know, talks about that he had a relationship with his, didn't have a relationship with God, but, you know, had a relationship with his kids. And kids grew up, grew up, grew up, and was growing, growing. And just kind of, because he didn't have a relationship with God, put God last, and his, his kids, just he didn't spend any time with his children. And later in life, he got, he, he got saved. That means he, became, he, he began this relationship with God. That's kind of a churchy way of saying it. But he began this relationship with God, and he moved towards God's direction. And you know what God did with his, with his parenting skills? God moved towards his. And now, both of these girls, if you will, both of them love Jesus Christ. Because... When you move in God's direction, God will move in yours. Now, that's Old Testament. Let's look at New Testament. As you read the New Testament, 
the one thing that is very clear that it is this, that God wants to move in your direction. So much so that he sent his one and only unique son. His name is Jesus. He, he sent Jesus on our behalf and he moved in our direction. And now he is waiting for us to move in his. That there is a cause and effect here. Now listen to what Jesus says in this. Because he says, I, God, I, I, I sent my one and only son for you so that you can spend eternity with me. Now God is saying, are you going to make me a priority? Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking. This is red letter if you have a red letter Bible. <clears throat> Jesus is saying this. Verse 24, Matthew 6. No one can serve... Two masters. What he's saying, in other words, there's only going to be one number one. There's only going to be one number one. For you will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. God says, you know what? I'm either going to be number one on the list, or you're going to be number one on the list. But there can't be two number ones, right? I mean, follow me. That's just physics, people, right? There can't be two number ones. Now, he gets more specific. You cannot serve both God and... I'm sorry, this is an all-skate morning. You can't serve both God and... Do you know that the, the biggest competition isn't between, for you and your love, isn't between God and the devil? Did you know that? That your biggest problem isn't between God choosing God or choosing the devil. That your biggest competition, the competition for your love and for your passion and what you do is going to be between God and money. God says, look, I'm either going to be number one or you and your money are going to be number one. But it can't be both. And, you know, isn't that how it kind of looks? I mean, so many times in, in my life, guys... I feel like, you know, I want to be close to God. I read the Bible and I pray and I just feel like, you know, I, I come in and I kind of raise my hands, you know, and I buy the CD, get the T-shirt, you know, go to Lifeway, get some books, get some devotionals. Try to, I try to move towards God, but I just don't feel like he's moving towards me. And maybe the reason I felt that way, I can tell you this is the reason I felt that way, and maybe the reason you feel the way you feel. It's because God is saying, listen, you can do all of that other stuff. But really, the competition is not between whether or not you're going to have a great prayer life. Or whether or not you're going to read the Bible daily. I mean, that's good and you need to do that. But my biggest competition for your love is going to be between, it's either going to be me or it's going to be your spending habits. It's going to be money. Now, verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what, what will what? What will we eat? Everybody say we. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? All right, now, here's what I want you to do. We're going to change this verse up a little bit. I'm an artistic license here. I want you to take the W and turn it upside down. Because really, that's the question. What will me eat? What will me drink? What will me wear? What will me drive? What will me do tomorrow? What will me, 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 me? Because really the issue, and this is a priority issue, is me is at the top of that list. It's me, 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 me. 
Jesus said, you're so worried about this other stuff. You're so worried about it. Because it says, don't worry about these things. That you put me, yourself, at the top of the list. And you put God at the bottom. And he says, listen. Flip the list. That maybe the reason why you're worrying is because me is at the top and God is at the bottom. And if you flip the list, you won't worry no more. Because here's the, here's just, I'm getting crazy. It's getting crazy here. But maybe God does want to provide for you. In fact, I'm going to read you a verse that I bet you everyone in here has heard. And you probably have heard it tons, but you never ever heard it connected to this subject. And it's talking, Jesus is talking about Mula Bula. Look at this. Verse 32, it says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He's saying this, people who don't even believe in God prioritize their life. One, two, three, four, five, God's last. But your heavenly father knows all what you need. God already knows what you need. And then look at this verse that all of us know. Matthew 6, 33. And I want you to read this with new eyes. And I want you to look at it when it comes to priority. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek seek the kingdom of God above all else. The NIV says, seek the kingdom of God first. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And God's going to give you everything that you need. In other words, Jesus is saying, take the list and flip it. Flip the list upside down. If you seek me first, you've invited me into the core of your life. And what that's, God's saying, what that's telling me is that you're moving towards me. And you know what? If you move towards me, guess what he's going to do? God is going to move towards you. I'm just telling you. Now, let me just say, some of you are thinking, this sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme. So some of you, you may have been in other denominations and... You know, they sold you the prayer hankies with the anointing oil. And if you do this, and if you gave $1,000, God was going to give you a million. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. In fact, I just got some news for you. Is everybody sitting down? You're already rich. You see, compared to the world standards, you're already rich. How many of y'all have been overseas? All right. I mean, compared to people overseas, are we rich? I mean, do you have a car to drive? Do you live in a house? Is your head covered? Do, I mean, is anybody worried about what they're going to eat after we get done here? You see, people in third world countries, people who are poor, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from because they don't know their last meal didn't come from anywhere. In fact, people who are in third world countries, they don't have a car to drive. They don't have gas to put in their car. They don't go and they don't buy new clothes. They don't get houses. They don't get land. I mean, we are already rich. This isn't about getting rich. This is about reprioritizing our finances and letting God move in our direction because giving God a green light to move towards us because we have given him a green light to move towards us. We've already moved towards him. It is either an invitation for God moving or how we deal with money is a canceling of God moving towards us. But it is all about how we prioritize our finances. Flip the list. Now, here comes the second part. There's flip the list. Here's the second part of the big idea. Flip the list. Give, save, live on the rest. Everybody say that. Flip the list. Give, 
save, live on the rest. Let's say give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. All right, now, give, save, live on the rest. I have $10 up here. All right? Now, what I'm asking you to do is this. It's getting crazy. I'm asking you to think in percentages. If it's give, save, live on the rest, $1, God. I'm moving too fast. Let me go back. $1, God. $1, That's his kingdom. One dollar, your kingdom. This is saving. All right? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Saving? I'm supposed to save? All right, one more time. Getting crazy. One dollar, God, God's kingdom. One dollar, your kingdom, saving. And eight, to spend. Now, you see, when that's simple. We're like, that's simple. I can do that. Now, what I don't know about you, I, I can tell you my experience, because Kim and I have struggled with giving. And I don't know about you, but see, I don't know any other pastor that's ever confessed that. Because most pastors, they want you to think that their stuff don't stink. All right? We all got issues. All right? I can tell you, Kim and I are faithful on this now. And I'm going to tell you how we got this, we worked it all out, and we created a system. All right? But $1 giving... $1 saving and live on the rest. Sounds easy, and we need, this is percentages. Now, the problem is when we get more than $10, right? Right? When you get your paycheck, however it looks, right? Seriously, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I get my paycheck. It's direct deposited to my account. And I go, 10%? I'm supposed to give 10%? <laughs> right? That's, that's jacked up. Church don't need that. This is my money, right? Or, again, I don't ever say that. I'm, the, I'm usually the preacher, and I'm saying, man, I, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm not getting enough, so I can't afford to tithe, right? So that's the lie that I've told myself many times in the past, right? But God says, no, no, no. This is about your priorities. you got to think in percentages. This is either going to be an open door or a closed door when it comes to me moving in your direction. This is either going to be a green light giving God which way he can do in your life, what he can do in your life, or it's going to be a red light going, God, stop. I don't want you to move in my life. That's what this is. Now, I'm going to take your excuse away. Some of you are thinking, well, he just, preacher just wants my money. Don't give it here. If you don't trust us, right? We, we, by the way, on our hub table, we, we, we have a budget out there that you can look at. If you don't trust us, give it to another church. This isn't about a specific church. This is about God getting your heart. And if you realize this, if he has your wallet, he's going to get your heart. All right? Very, very important. Very, very important. Now, some of you, uh, two things I want to do and we're done. I want to say this. All of you live on a percentage of your income. Nobody wrote that down. You're going, that wasn't deep at all. All of you live on a percentage of your income. That's what I know. And the second thing I know is this. Most of you don't know what that percentage is. You just don't. Some of you, you're like, I know what percentages is. I I am living on 112% of my income. Really? 
Some of you, you are at 120% of your income. You need to be the next Dave Ramsey, all right? I mean, I don't know how you're doing it. In fact, I do know how you do it. It's two people, MasterCard and Visa, right? Uh, Keep on going that, and that's going to be gone, right? Now, most all of us live on a percentage of your income. All of us do. And most of us don't know what that percentage is. And I'm just saying this. If you don't choose the percentage of the income you're going to live on, somebody else is going to make that choice of the percentage you live on. Somebody's going to make that choice. Either you can make that choice or somebody else can make that choice. Because here's the thing. Some of you are like, you know, and I, I heard a pastor say this a couple of weeks ago. He says, you know what? Uh, two people wrote him letters. He says, you know what? We're just going to start tithing. We ain't got the money. But you know what? All of this stuff is going away. We might as well just give some away before it's all taken away, right? They just kind of had that attitude. And you know what? Here's the thing, and this is, this is what Kim and I have experienced. When you start prioritizing God first and doing what he asked, then you know what? He's going to move in your direction. Now, some of you are going, well, 10%, some of you ain't giving 1%. So 10% is going, I don't think I can do that. You know what? Just move in God's direction. Just move in, guys. If you're not giving 1%, maybe start at 1%. Start at 3%, right? Start, I mean, if you're at 3%, just honor God. You know, move in God's direction. And if you're giving 3 then maybe bump it up to 5 Just move in God's direction. Some of you, maybe you're giving 5% towards God. And he says, you know what? Move in my direction, and I'm going to move towards yours. Bump it up to 7 Wherever you're at, one, three, five, seven, ten, wherever that is, you move in God's direction, and God will move in your direction. Now, you've got to think of percentages, and this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this, I promise. Jesus, went, and he tells this story. This is so amazing in, in, in Mark. And I believe it's in uh, uh, chapter 14. He tells this story. They're all there at the temple, and everybody is given. Now, we, we pass around these little offering buckets. But back in the temple, back in the day, they had this big copper bronze uh, kettle. And it's almost like when you go to the things and you put your coin in, and it, shh, you, you know what I'm talking about, and it spins around. That's how it was there. And they would pour. Everybody would, you know, let's say if you're giving $100 to God, they would change. Hey, can you break this $100 into coins? Yeah. I'm going to the temple. I'm going to give to God, right? So they go and they give to God and they'd take their bucket and they would dump it in this big metal basin and it would just, and everybody go, ooh, did you, did you hear that? Somebody done gave to Jesus, right? I mean, everybody's just like, and, and everybody turns their head, right? I mean, again, people don't do that today, do they? No, people don't. I mean, people don't give stuff today and expect, you know, their name to be on a plaque somewhere. It don't happen. It just don't. Um, but, I mean, th- they would make a big show of what they give, right? And Jesus and his disciples are sitting there and they're hearing all this rattling because everybody's bringing their money, right? And this one little widow lady, she comes up and her head's down. She opens up a little bitty purse and she picks out, she just pulls out and she drops this little coin in there, small. And they don't even hear nothing. And Jesus said, stop, disciples. Look, did you see what just happened? What? What happened? What happened? Did you see that, that, that woman who gave? She gave more than anybody else. Disciples going, excuse me? I'm sorry. Did you see the couple of guys before who came and dropped? It sounded like thunder and lightning, right? And I didn't even hear the clink. 
And this is what Jesus says in Mark 12, 43. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more. Everybody say more. More than all the others who are making contributions. And the guys are going, no. But see, God ain't impressed just with dollar figures. He's impressed with percentages. This lady, and the reason why Jesus said she gave more is because she gave all she had. And, and, and Ryan talked about a, a, that a little bit last week. It's not even, God just doesn't want a percentage. He wants it everything because everything is his. He only asks for a percentage. All right? Now, throw that list back up there. And I, I referenced this earlier. All of this list, spend it, um, pay, uh, pay credit cards, pay taxes, save it, give it. If you notice, every one of these, the first one's a habit, second one's a habit, and your habit, the credit card companies create a system so that they make sure to get their money, right? Third one, system. Fourth one, system. Fifth one, I don't know. All right? And the reason why many of us don't give is because we don't have a system. So I'm going to encourage you to do two things today as we leave. As you leave, each and every one of you are going to be handed this resource. It's a piece of paper. And this is a ledger for you to track your spending because all of us live on a, a percentage of our income, right? you got to be knowing where your money's going. you got to. If you don't know where your money is going, then you're not telling your money where to go. It's telling you where to go. And other people are telling your money where to go. So what I'm going to challenge you this next week is every penny. Everybody say every penny. Every penny you spend, I want you to track down. You go to BP, you go to Shell Station, and you get you a Snickers Almonds bar, all right? For 99 cents, I want you to put that on there, all right? If you go to Walmart, dear Jesus, Walmart, if you go to Walmart, you know you ain't going to get out of, out of there under $100. That's just, that's just like second opinions right there, all right? But I want you to track your spending because this is going to be showing where your money is going. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, and this is the key to my wife and I, us being consistent in our giving. We have created a system, and the system that we have bought into is, is giving online, is e-give. I've put a lot of information on here about giving online and using e-give, but let me tell you how it works. Is you go online, you can go to our website, and you click on giving online, you click on e-give, and it's going to walk you through steps for you to do so that you can give, and, and it's automatically withdrawn out of your account. Now, that helps us because Kim and I, we're always serving. I, you know, I, got, I ended up leaving the house at about 5.30, 5.40 this morning, um, and, and I've been here like ever since. So we're bebopping, we're moving speakers. Kim is like helping like lead uh, worship and children's, and we're never here when the bucket goes around. So we were always very inconsistent. So we started do, doing this e-give thing, and it, you go to e-give, and you tell them how much money you want them to take out. And then you tell them when you want it to take out. And then three days before it gets taken out, they will send you an email saying, by the way, this is coming out. All right? You can cancel it at any time. And, but it's something that's helped us. We've created a system for giving to God, and we do that first. 
Now, some of you, and, I, and again, I know how some of you mind, your minds think. Some of you think, well, there's just something about my obedience writing the check. That's how some of you are thinking. I want to be able to write the check. Yet, you don't have a problem CDE doing automatic withdrawal from your account. And you don't have a problem, you know, stuff else coming from your account, but you want your obedience to write the hand. And that's what you say, but yet you never give. Maybe that's stupid thinking. Just throw it out there. All right? Because you can say, I want the obedience writing it, but if you never write it, then you're not really obeying. Right? Now, if you say, I want to write it, and, I, and you're doing it, then praise God. That, that's good thinking. But I'm telling for us, for Kim and I, this is what's helped us. It has created a system so that we can be obedient to God. Because God is saying, if you move in my direction, I'm going to move in yours. That if we flip the list, if we give first and save second and then live on the rest, then what we're going to see is that there's never ever going to be a time where you're I don't think they're ever going to be in need. And right now, Kim and I, we're teaching this to our children. We have these envelopes, uh, like, taped on the refrigerator. They've been taped there. How long, Kim? Probably four months, five months, six months, somewhere. I mean, way before I even knew I was going to preach this. And we on here, it says, give and save. Give and save. And they put the giving in there. They put the saving in there. And the rest, they get to blow. They get to do whatever they want to with. But give, save, live on the rest. All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much, Jesus Christ. And I thank you so much, God, that, um, Lord, that uh, in this area of my life, I have not been perfect. Lord, um, and yet you haven't rejected me. But, Lord, uh, inch by inch, day by day, my wife and I have moved in your direction. And Lord, your word says so clearly that if we move in your direction, you will move in ours. Lord, that you don't call for perfection, but Lord, you do ask for progress. And Lord, I pray that that, that's what all of us do. And not just progress when it comes to money, but progress in the time we spend with our families. Progress in the time that we spend with our children and how we parent them. Time, how we spend and how we treat our wives and loving our wives like Christ loved the church. Or giving honor to our husbands because we're honoring God. Lord, that in every area of our life that we would put you first. Because really, you're already first. We're just not recognizing it. And Lord, it's when we put you first and make you a priority that, Lord, it's a green light for you to come in and do some amazing things. It is a green light for you to come in and say, let me work in your life and in your heart and in your relationships. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.